What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I have here my uh, my friend Nicole. Hello. Hey. So um, yeah, we we're just having a quick conversation about like what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So can you tell us all a little bit about yourself and what do you do? Sure. Um, so my name's Nicole, and I'm currently a second year pathologist assistant student um, at Western University. Um, I'm completing a master's in clinical science uh, as a pathologist assistant. Um, so yeah, I'm currently in my second year. Um, I completed my undergrad at the University of Waterloo in the Honors Biology Co-op program, um, and then which kind of led me into this uh, position. Wow, and what is that? The It's a pathologist assistant. Yeah, so it's um, a very kind of specialized niche um, job. So a pathologist assistant or a, a PA, which is different from a physician's assistant. A lot of people get it um, mixed up, but they are two different things. Okay. Um, so pathologist assistant, or I'll just refer to them as PAs for the rest of the term because it's kind okay. of helpful to say over yeah, and over. Sure. <laughs> um, so essentially, they're very highly trained health professionals who work under the supervision of a medically qualified pathologist. So many of their duties are, are those that were previously performed by the pathologist. So this role of a PA was essentially created to take the workload off the pathologist in the lab per se. Um, so they're now focusing their, their time looking at the microscope, looking at the tissues on the microscopic level to make a diagnosis rather than for performing the initial examination. So that's essentially why this uh, role was created. Yeah, so can you quickly describe like uh, what a pathologist is? Yeah, so they're a medically trained um, doctor. They go to med school and then they have specialized um, training in anatomical pathology. Um, and then there's also another specialization they can do. Um, they can also become a forensic pathologist, which mainly focusing on um, autopsies or post-mortem examinations. Oh, um, yeah, which is also part of um, a PA's job is to help with the post-mortem examination. Wow. So you guys like examine, is pathologists examine body tissue, basically, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Interesting stuff. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's, uh, can you tell me a little bit about what you do and exactly, like, what is it? Yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. So basically, there's kind of two roles that a PA can take on and sometimes, depending on where you work, um, you'll either be doing just growth or sorry, gross pathology or surgical pathology or um, post-mortem autopsy or some hospitals, if they do both, you'll do both. So it kind of depends what uh, hospital you work at. Um, but the majority of your position would be doing the examination, the initial examination and dissection of all surgical specimens that come in. So essentially, any surgery that happens and any tissue or for even a foreign object, if a foreign object is removed from the body, that goes to the pathology lab where the PA will complete the initial examination of the tissue, look for um, any abnormalities, and then they take sections of the tissue, representative sections, to then for that would fit on a small microscope slide for then the path then it goes to the pathologist 
Okay. Um, and then they look at down at it at a microscopic level. So that's like a very like broad um, yeah. description of what the PA will do. So you said foreign objects. So like any foreign objects, like what, like bullets and stuff, or what have you? Bullets, anything <laughs> anyone can put up in their body orifices, literally anything. Um, obviously, they're not going to look at that under the microscope. But anything that is removed surgically comes to the pathology lab. So um, like we were briefly talking before, someone comes into the emergency room, they have an appendic appendicitis. That's an emergency surgery. They have to have their appendix removed. Now that's like a benign condition. You don't think that there'd be any cancer, um, but what's important for the PA's job is to make sure that we're looking through the entire tissue in its entirety and being very um having high attention to detail um, because you may find cancer or a tumor in something that wasn't really expected. Um, so that's really important as well for the PA to have a really high attention to detail, mm. know your anatomy really well um, because not only are you looking at benign conditions, you're also looking at malignant conditions. So for example, if someone has a uh, I'll just pick any type of malignancy, but say you've got part of your bowel taken out for bowel cancer. Okay. Um, they know there's cancer in there. There was a biopsy before, which I don't know if you know what a biopsy is, but they're basically before doing the surgery, they'll take a sample of your bowel to kind of get an idea of what type of cancer or even if it is cancer that they're dealing with before they decide to take out a big portion of your bowel. Because you don't have, if you don't have to take out your bowel, they don't want to do that, obviously. So they oftentimes will form a biopsy. The pathologist will look at it and say, okay, we this looks like this type of cancer, so you should probably take out, this. the surgeon should take out part of the bowel. So how do you guys detect something like cancer anyways, like in the biological level, like the microscopic level? How do you detect it? So that's the pathologist's job. They are very, very highly trained. Um, basically, cancer um, or any, malign any malignancy, um, the cells start to look different. And so when they start to look different and uh, look abnormal, when you're looking at the microscope and you're looking at the cells, um, they can see like based on the morphology of the cells or what the cells look like, or they can do special staining to see um, and like immunohistochemistry to kind of see like, okay, what type of tumor or what, what's going on with these cells. That's typically how they'll diagnose, okay, you have this type of cancer. Okay. So it's it's like there's like a normal type of like microbes that are supposed to be in there. If there's like some type of, you know, difference between that and normal, then you can detect some problem in the body. So. Yeah, and it, it wouldn't be microbe. You're looking at like your cells and basically like cancer is um, will make their cells tend to look different. Um, maybe at the beginning stage, the cell will look pretty normal, but you can detect the cancer. Oftentimes people detect that they have cancer because they're um, producing symptoms because cancer is preventing those cells from performing their normal function. Yeah. Um, so they're taking over and that's when you get often symptoms. So then they'll go in and um, they'll get tested and do a biopsy. Wow. So, yeah. So is cancer like one of the, the, the leading things that you guys are looking for when you guys do something like that? Um, like, yeah, obviously we, we want to look for, and if something's taken out benign, we always like, we don't always, so we always get like kind of background history on, okay, this, 
specimen as we call it this part of bowel was taken out for a typical like benign condition like Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis yeah. um, so we kind of know what we're going into but we have to make sure we're paying attention because these diseases can lead to a malignancy sometimes or they just may have an incidental they may have cancer and not even know it um, so again it's not always out for cancer but you can find it incidentally yeah so um, the, so the reason you guys are looking for these things in a part that you take out from your body is how do you know that it's from uh, the cancer would be in that part and what, what if it's in another part would it be affected in the part that you took out? Yeah, so that's a good question. So before they, they, they have to determine where the cancer is before they go in and do surgery. So usually um, they'll do imaging yeah. um, and the radiologist will say, okay, this part in the body, this is where we see a mass because you can see it under imaging. So that's where, how they know where to take it out. But that comes to a good point. Like imaging isn't always perfect. Yeah. So if we get a segment or a piece of tissue out, um, say we have like a segment about like this long length of my hand. Yeah. Um, if the mass or the tumor is close enough to what we call the resection margin, so the part where the surgeon cut, if it's too close, then the cancer is too close to that resection margin, the surgeon may have to go back and take out more to make sure you got high enough margin, clear margins with that are cancer free so that the cancer keeps spreading. Because if you take out part of the tumor and leave another part in, yeah. like it's basically pointless because it can keep growing. Oh, yeah. yeah, so the PA's job, like not only to look at the tissue, you have to measure the, the tumor. How big is it? How close is it to those resection margins? Because that's important, again, if the surgeon maybe has to go back or not. You're also describing what it looks like because cancers will look different cancers will look different. So since the pathologist isn't there at the bench looking at the specimen with you, you're essentially the eyes for the pathologist. So that, what we call a gross examination, which means like just looking at the tissue kind of with the naked eye at the macroscopic level, that is important to make their diagnosis. So it's really important that the PA is really good at like communication and describing what they see because that will help the pathologists and their diagnosis because they're only going to see it at the cellular level sometimes they can see pictures but again yeah. pictures don't always do it justice so wow so like you guys are always like are you guys always in a time constraint always rushing because you know you have like a body part out um well the surgery is done by that point but that does bring up a good point um so in surgery sometimes they'll take out a sample of tissue yeah. And they'll have the pathologist look at it in real time to say, like, okay, uh, did we get it all, or uh, what are we, what type of cancer are we looking at? Um, so they will do that at times um, during surgery, just so they know they're more confident that they did get it all. Um, but again, that doesn't always happen. But when it comes to our bench, it's been a few days so the patient isn't in surgery not a few days but it's been enough time and the patient isn't in surgery anymore yeah um for us to actually be able to cut through and do our examination what we have to do is put it in a formalin or a fixative so we can properly like cut through the tissue methodically and 
meticulously and so the tissue doesn't just like kind of goop Fall around apart, yeah. yeah yeah wow so like yeah. do you actually get to see the cancer for yourself and mm -hmm. so like yeah. how, how do these cancers look and like what what is it is it like a, yeah how does it look yeah um every cancer typically looks different you kind of have your that's why you really have to read a lot and know what you're doing because different cancers will look um, completely different from others so you have to know what you're looking for you have to know what's normal versus abnormal I know when I first started I'd be looking at the specimen I said I like I have no idea what's normal and what's not normal yeah. so that's why it's important to be like go through training programs and um, know your anatomy really well so that you do kind of know what you're looking at yeah um, so how long did you train for this? Like as you said, it's a two-year program, masters. Yeah, it's a two-year program. Um, but like, not all PAs that are hired go through this program. Some, um, in the past, were on the job trained. Some are medical lab technicians. But now, um, the PAs through this like um, NACLS accredited, which is like a level of accreditation, only Western and um, University of Calgary in Canada are accredited. So those are kind of like now the gold standard. And I know a lot of institutions are kind of leaning to more to like um, maybe having that as a requirement for hiring PAs. But there's such a high demand for um, PAs right now that um, if you have if you're kind of grandfathered into the system and on the job trained, obviously, like they'll take you. Um, the PA profession is a lot more established in the States. Mm. So there's a lot more schools um, and stuff like that because there's only really two accredited schools in Canada, whereas there's quite a few more in the States and they've been having this this profession go on for quite a bit longer than Canada has. So you said it's Western and Waterloo for, for that, right? Um, Western and Calgary. And Calgary. Calgary? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So like what made you get into this, something like this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, it's it's sometimes a little morbid for people, you know, doing post-mortem examinations and looking at tissues. I actually be, used to be a very, very squeamish person. My yeah. mom was a nurse and like I could not even think or like look or any like surgery video that would come on the TV, like I would get queasy. So oh, yeah. this, this yeah. was a lot of um, self... Um, um like exposure therapy self like prescribed exposure therapy for myself um okay. <laughs> because pathology has always been so interesting to me and then i wanted a job that i could have a kind of like behind the scenes impact on patient care okay. um because i'm not having that one-on-one -on -one interaction with the patient yeah um I prefer to have an impact on patient care kind of behind the scenes. Yeah. That's just my preference. And I think that's what a lot of people who go into this perfection, profession like. You have a really important role um, because if you measure the tumor wrong or describe it wrong, that could lead to the pathologist potentially staging the cancer wrong. There's a lot of like measurement check marks for certain types of cancer. So if you're between, say, if the mass was say three centimeters, but you measured it as um, 2.8 centimeters and the cutoff for staging um, is three centimeters, yeah. you may have understaged that patient and they may not get chemo. Oh. So 
Yeah, and then it, the the flip side, if you overmeasure, then you up and you upstage the patient, then they get an over aggressive treatment that wasn't yeah. necessary. You know, so it it's it's stressful in its own way, but yeah. So, so you guys are like saving lives and stuff every day. <laughs> uh, I I wouldn't say that. I I don't like to <laughs> say that myself, but um, I like to think that we do have an. Imp- important impact on patient care um but yeah to get back to like how i kind of got into it i kind of heard of this program kind of just through the grapevine just randomly i was like oh that's interesting but again i was super squeamish yeah how old old were you when you heard about it like i was actually in my third year university so i was quite old but i had so i had like not much time to get over my um fear of just anything to do with the profession um yeah. and you just jumped right into it um kind of like i would slowly kind of introduce like i worked um one of my co-op positions when i was an undergrad i was at queen's university and they were doing um uh, research on clostridium difficile and they were doing it in mouse models and part of my job was to um be there to supervise supervise at the end of the experiment where like they had to sacrifice um the the subject the study subjects sacrifice Uh, what do you mean sacrifice that's what they like so basically when you work in research and you work in animal studies um the animals can't be kept alive past the point of the research project um so when they say sacrifice it just means like euthanize um and that was like one thing like i had never seen before and i was super scared to kind of even subject myself to like seeing that happen but i got through that so i was like okay this is one small step like not similar to human tissue or anything but the first time i actually went to go see an autopsy before i even saw anything or was exposed to anything um i was in the room and they were doing like kind of this huddle of talking about how oh like what are what what are we doing today like um what to expect and what to look for and before i even in the middle of this huddle with a bunch of doctors around i fainted and i hit my head on the (laughs) autopsy table on the way down Oh, you bumped and your I, head on the autopsy table? Yeah, yeah. There was nothing, nothing oh. was on it or anything oh, okay. like that. It was, it was, was clean. Like, it was fine. <laughs> it was fine, but it was very, very embarrassing. And I thought, I was like, oh crap, like, I don't think I can do this. I didn't even see it. It was fine, but I pushed myself and I went back and then I was totally fine. So I think I was just nervous. I don't know. <laughs> oh my goodness. How long were you, how long were you out for? I woke up right away, but uh, <laughs> it was still quite embarrassing to see, like, 10 people huddled around you when you're just a visiting student and <laughs> yeah so yeah well luckily you didn't uh, bump your head too hard or, and end up on the table or anything i know right <laughs> kind of ended up right there but i guess it would have been a good hand i i always thought i was like okay if i'm injured this is probably one of the best places to be for a bunch of doctors <laughs> so Oh my goodness! So yeah. you saw. So yeah, do you see? Do you see like bodies every day, or like how? Um. So since I'm in my second year, um, we kind of rotate. There's six of us, and we rotate um, whether we're working in the surgical pathology lab or whether we're doing autopsy. So I just finished four week before Christmas break. I finished um, my four week autopsy rotation um, before I go back to 
the surgical pathology lab. So, yep, uh, it depends on how many cases come in, um, but the one I'm at, we're a forensic unit, so we get, like, quite a few. Um, so you, you think you're, you'd be able to go, like, do the actual, you know, like, the surgery thing now, or what? Uh, I don't think about surgery. I don't... <sighs> I don't... I don't think I could have the stress of having someone's um, life in my actual hands, per se. Um, you know, like, it's unfortunate, but with post-mortem examination, it's not like I can actually hurt the person. Obviously, you're being very respectful and, um, and how you conduct yourself and how you perform the autopsy, but it's not like I could hurt them, whether if it was surgery or something. I'd be worried about, like, implications of, like, what I did during the surgery or anything like that on their livelihood or anything like that, so. Wow. Yeah. You ever get, like, nightmares or anything? Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like say yet. Maybe? Um, I haven't yet, but, like, if you talk to, like, anyone who is in this field, there's always, like, certain cases whether it's the circumstances or sometimes it just like kind of hits you weird um there's definitely like circumstances or cases that really affect you and you will carry with the rest of your life but same with doctors like they'll always say like a lot of the time there's always like certain cases that they'll always carry with them um so yeah it's unfortunate obviously the circumstances when we see someone for a post-mortem examination but the post-mortem examination is really important for closure for the family or even it can say if someone, uh, not oftentimes, but you can have someone who kind of dies earlier than expected, um, will do, will take DNA from the body and they can get genetic testing done to see if there's any genetic disease that would maybe run in the family, say a heart condition or something that caused them to die early. And if you find that, and you can link that with the family so that they know ahead of time to get checked as well, and they can maybe pre prevent that happening to them as well um, prematurely. So it's not only important for getting a diagnosis as why to someone passed away, but like also closure for the family and also if there's any genetic component as to why they died that yeah. will maybe impact would impact them so what are your future plans with this and what, what are you planning to do yeah so um i want to be a pa um after graduation so i am fortunate enough that i will be working in toronto after graduation and um working at what um uh, different hospital sites um, with their lab and just trying to learn as much as I can and my immediate goal is just to kind of build up my skills as a PA because there is you can like there's an infinite amount of learning that you can do in this and oh, for I, sure. yeah so that's my initial goal to start is just to get more I guess competent in what I'm doing because I mean only less than a year of practical work I would by no means call myself an expert which I don't think really anyone going into their first year of their job would <laughs> consider themselves an expert so. yeah for sure you were telling me about how you just heard about it randomly and you just went for it 
Yeah. What were you going for before? Before that? Uh, I don't know. Like, in high school, I thought I wanted to be a pharmacist. And then I realized I hated chemistry. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I was like, oh, like, maybe I'll do optometry. And then I realized, uh, like, not really for me. And then I was kind of, then I did the whole, all the research stuff. And I really, really like microbiology. Mm. But I didn't want, unless you, in my perspective, unless you get a job, like, in industry, a research job in microbiology isn't, um, in my opinion, very um, sustainable. Like, I know, like, I, I, I get you. I guess you can kind of um, relate to this, like research positions, like in regards oh, yeah. to job security and job stability, aren't the best per se. Yeah, unless you um, really get to like, really deep into like the field. Yeah, yeah, and it feels like every, like obviously, a lot of the population now, more higher po um, proportion of the population is getting an undergrad, so like. And now more people are doing masters, so it's like almost like masters is becoming the new undergrad. And yeah. especially in my field, it's like with a master's in research, like you're more becoming more. How do I say it? Uh, you're just becoming more like specified in research, and that's again not what I wanted to do. Yeah, I find it interesting, and I. I think research is really important, um, but I find it it's oftentimes like a lot of work, which doesn't say like I'm I don't like working hard because I do, but it's a lot of work <laughs> with like little reward. Yeah. Um, sometimes and just it like whenever you think something's gonna go one way, it never goes your way, and so I yeah. just I wanted something with a clinical aspect to it as well. Um, and so this was perfect because again, I, I really like pathology and like understanding disease and it's really cool because you can take your, what you learned in school and the theory of, um, how this disease progresses and like what it does to the body. And then you actually see the physical manifestations like at your bench, you get to oh, actually yeah. see the cancer and like see what it's doing and what it looks like and like it's that is just super cool to me yeah it is it's a, it's a very exciting job and exciting thing to be doing so like what's like the biggest cancer you've ever seen like a tumor how, how big do they get <laughs> um i personally so like the way our rotations have worked i haven't done too many malignancies yet so like i'm not really like in the position to say like what the biggest one is or whatever and it's not always about like size always yeah some cancers are a lot more aggressive um and in the fact that like they'll metastasize which means which they'll means... go to other or they'll travel to other organs and affect them as well yeah so um they kind of like grow at every part at the same time is that how it works um, not per not like they'll grow at every part at the same time, but basically like the cells can like say you have a tumor like my fist and one of the cells like my thumb mm -hmm. 
-hmm. breaks off and it can travel in different um, um, different ways to the different bodies. So you could drive, you could travel through the lymphatic system or the blood and go to another organ, and then those cancer cells will grow there. So then you have like two cancers growing at once. Um, so I would say like a cancer that is more likely to metastasize and more aggressive. Um, that's more dangerous than just having like a big tumor or cancer that is kind of it's not overly aggressive in the fact that it grows fast and that it metastasizes like yeah. for example there's different types of thyroid cancer but one of um the worst one which is like kind of the most rare um it's called anaplastic uh, carcinoma and basically if you get a diagnosis of that it's your prognosis is very very dismal um because it it's very aggressive and it can metastasize very very quickly um so and again but it may not get that big but just the fact that it can metastasize so quickly and overtake your cells um quickly then that's what makes it so bad can you can you explain to me like what is the difference between the types of cancers and like yeah what is the difference between types of cancers oh my gosh um i <laughs> i don't think i could explain like that <laughs> that would be a very good question for a pathologist yeah. um there are like basically like an infinite amount of different types of cancers like there's a lot um there's general types on like types of cells that are affected so um like how you, yeah how do they how do they start anyways do you know like how do they start how does cancer start yeah yeah so basically and i hope no one's listening is gonna i feel like i'm gonna butcher this but <laughs> <laughs> um so basically like your cells normally grow and divide like everyone kind of knows like the general cell cycle you kind of learn in yeah. biology or whatever mm -hmm. so your cell as it's growing and getting ready to divide and um it has cell checkpoints that okay. kind of make it the cell cycle stop and say hey is everything good is everything normal and if it is normal it keeps going and like it'll complete the cell cycle and a normal cell if something's abnormal at that checkpoint it'll either the cell will try to fix itself and if it can't fix itself it'll kill itself okay. or cause apoptosis okay. basically in cancer cancer can override those checkpoints and say so even though it's abnormal at that checkpoint the cell can keep growing and dividing okay. and so it's going to keep growing and dividing this abnormal cell and it'll keep doing it and doing it and like multiplying yeah. so the fact that it then it starts to take over the space of these normal cells so does that make sense yeah so yeah so cancer is a separate thing than the actual mechanism behind that checkpoint or is it is cancer the the failure of that mechanism or is it a separate entity? that's what like can lead to like cancer malignancy but you can also have like like a tumor can be benign meaning non-cancerous non-malignant or you can be malignant the one that causes problems because you can have a tumor which is your like accelerated growth of cells but it be benign meaning that it doesn't like it doesn't have 
the ability to metastasize or really like cause a lot of harm to the cells per se unless if it gets like really big and kind of causes what we call it like a mass effect being it's like pushing on say if it's in your neck or something and it's pushing on like a major vessel then obviously you have to get that taken out yeah um so like we still have no idea how to solve cancer i'm, I'm assuming <laughs> unfortunately not i don't i not from my understanding no um <laughs> yeah it's um and again, like that, I'm no cancer expert, so I just did a very like brief on <laughs> my understanding of um, how it happens. But basically, like the reason why we have all these different types of cancers is because it can that abnormal cell growth can happen in any type of cell, and our bodies are made up of like a bunch of different types of cells. So yeah, yeah. wow, that's yeah. interesting stuff. Uh, are you you're not comfortable with talking about um, I don't know death or anything like in what regard you kind of see it more than people usually mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. a like a usual person like mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on it like what are your thoughts um it's I think in the position that who people who deal with death whether you're a funeral home worker or you're a pathologist assistant like me or you're the pathologist also there um you have to be able to kind of remove yourself in certain ways still be present obviously and you still like have to be able to have respect but like you somehow have to be able to like kind of remove yourself from a matter of fact kind of yeah. and it, it's really hard to explain and like I'm sure like that isn't a good way of explaining it um, but yeah like it, it does take a specific um, sorry I, I, it's just really hard to explain without like sounding like I don't know like a crazy person who's like, oh, I like death because that's not it at all. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, for sure. I'm, I'm more. I've just been exposed to it more, and it's more like I like to think of it. It's like in a clinical setting, yeah. so you know they're there for a reason, and we're there to do a job. I think if I found like if I found someone passed away on the street, like I wouldn't be okay with that. Like that would really bother me. I'm sure. Oh, for sure. Um, but the fact that this is like a clinical setting, there's a job to do, and um, so I think it, it's just different that way. But don't get me wrong, like I mentioned, we were talking about before, there's always going to be certain cases that just are, they're a lot and they're too much. And Have you ever had something like affect you in that way? Um, I wouldn't say yet, like, I've seen something that's been too much, but I definitely do take home, um, a lot, um, that I have to, like, process myself, because obviously I can't talk to, like, my partner or anything about it, because, um, you can't, um, that's why it's good, like, when you're working on the autopsy, like, you have a team and you have a support system to be able to talk to stuff, and, you know, like, being in my program, like, and even like being on the job, like if there's something that like they're really good about it, if something is not like 
you don't feel right about something or it's really bothering you, like every institution I've worked at or like heard about, like you can step away. Like we're, we're humans too, you know? Yeah. So. Have, has, have you ever done that? Like what, what do you mean? There's something you, you, you know, what do you mean? Some, some situations for certain people and like maybe how the person died or um, just like, like like age or something or sometimes like you see someone that maybe looks familiar to someone you know like you know there's a whole bunch of different triggers and like um if you're obviously not in the right mindset to be doing your job you need to like voice that as well but again like we're professionals working in this environment and i think like a, a lot of the time like that's not the like case that we're not able to perform their job but like it's not um looked down upon if there's something that doesn't sit well with you and like you're just like you you kind of like you know if you're like upset about something and you're at work and you just like you can't like really perform yeah at your job yeah. it's kind of like that so like they're not going to penalize you for not being able to perform your job because again you have important job to do you're helping with the external examination you help with the evisceration so like the removal of the organs and you're also you're the second eyes for the pathologist saying like hey i found something here like come look at this so you have to be sharp and you have to know what you're doing and you have to be present because also it's dangerous like for us like you're using sharp tools like just like in the operating room you don't want to cut yourself or anything like that so yeah yeah how many people how many people work on on the on the on the floor for one person usually like one two three um it 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 depends on the situation and like um like how staff like it's kind of different right now because we're only students so we'll always have at least one fully trained pathologist assistant like kind of working with us and like overseeing us um but there'll always be a pathologist there obviously because they um will actually be dissecting the organs themselves um, whereas we kind of like take them out for them, if that oh, makes yeah. sense. Yeah. But every institution's a little different. Um, so sometimes like you'll, the PA will be more involved or less involved in the, the postmortem examination. So it kind of, you have to like, depends on where you're working. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much. I think that's, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what else to ask you. I'm sorry if I... <laughs> I, it's I, not the the nicest topic to talk about and no it's, it's very very interesting stuff um mm -hmm. i can't I, I wouldn't be able to imagine myself in there maybe maybe dissecting somebody i might be able to do it i don't know <laughs> yeah you need like really steady hands to do that uh yeah and yeah <laughs> it's again i never thought i'd be able to do it so and here i am so you never know yeah, well, thank you so much. I think that's uh, a good quick talk. I don't know if you want to get into a little bit of anything else. Um, I think I'm good. I yeah, I just don't I don't want to end on a sad note because I know postmortem exams aren't the happiest things. But uh... <laughs> uh, I don't think it's sad. I think it's um I think it's a good thing, and I think honestly, you guys are you guys you know help people out, and that's that's part of life, right? Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm it's all a part of life. Yeah. Well, if you have any further questions for me or um, want to do follow-up, just let me know and I'm happy to talk. And yeah, 
thank you thank you so much um yeah cool. yeah all right um, thank you so much no problem okay all right